Right now, new and returning vidIQ customers can buy one month of vidIQ and get the second month free. This offer is going on until July 31st and can be used towards a purchase of either a pro or boost level account. All you have to do is visit vidIQ.com bonus. If you've been looking to unlock our full suite of tools, now is a great time. You have until July 31st, vidIQ.com bonus. As YouTube creators, a lot of us are out there trying to take our passions and turn them into full-time jobs through YouTube. Imagine what that would be like if you could do that and then get your channel to over a million subscribers. And then imagine if you could do that again and again. <laughs> do you see where I'm going with this? Today's guest has a channel that's mainly focused on video games, but they do machine animation, they do regular animation, and they have separate channels for all the different endeavors they've taken on. A lot of these channels have millions of subscribers. So I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to learn about this person's story, how it all came about, and how they managed to grow essentially a YouTube empire. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tube Talk Podcast. As always, I'm joined once again by Mr. Rob Wilson. Hello, Mr. Dan Carson. How are you? Good. Thank you for saving me there. I did not introduce myself like I normally do. And, and you had my back. I appreciate that. Uh, no you said you were going to mess it up and you did. I did. I'm, I'm going to keep this in, though. Uh, that is our guest, of course, Mr. Corey Crater. How are you? Good. Hello, everybody. Tell everybody a little bit about you and, and what it is you do on the Internet. Okay. Do you want the uh, short story or the long story? I'm always up for a long story. Let's have the medium story. Uh, Rob wants the medium story. story. Yeah, the medium length story. Well, I didn't prepare that, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've been doing YouTube a long time. I've actually been on YouTube uh, since pretty much the start of YouTube. I actually used to upload my Halo 2 machinimas to a website called useruploads.mythica.org that no longer exists. Uh, <laughs> and that was pre-YouTube days. Um, so yeah, as soon as YouTube came around, that was pretty groundbreaking. But as far as my professional career goes on YouTube, I was contracted by Machinima, like so many other people. Uh, and that was in 2007, actually. So I was pretty early. Um, and I started making some real money off it when I was in ninth grade in high school. Yeah, back when Modern Warfare 2 was the, the big thing. And yeah, so I was making Machinimas on Modern Warfare 2, Minecraft, Halo Reach, stuff like that throughout high school into college. Uh, and then I took a hiatus in college, you know, to do college. And, uh, and then I got a really awesome opportunity to go work for Sky Does Minecraft in Washington State. So I dropped out of school, moved to Washington, and I did that for about a year before launching my own channel and moving back to New England. Um, we're about halfway there, by the way, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I moved back to New England, and I started up my own little operation in New Hampshire, uh, very it was actually mostly just a tax write-off was the reason um, I hired editors. Uh, I did pretty much did everything on my own to start out with, uh, but I ended up making a bit more money than I was making before. So I spent money to save money, and I got a little studio, a couple editors, and we started uh, making Minecraft videos as a company. That went well for a while. The adpocalypse hit, all that stuff. We lost half our revenue overnight. And uh, we almost had to shut the doors completely. And then Fortnite saved the day. And we started a Fortnite channel. And that was the biggest, 
learning experience for me as a YouTuber was uh, learning to pivot, right? Because I never want to be in a situation like that ever again. And uh, since then, we have been growing in all sorts of different directions. We started doing animation. And since we started that, we've grown and have uh, four, now five animation channels. Uh, while we also have a total of 10 gaming channels and it's all over the place. We do Among Us, Fortnite, Minecraft. As far as the animations go, we're doing Among Us animations, but also Minecraft, other viral games, SCP, which is this uh, fun horror franchise online. We do all sorts of stuff and yeah, but we have, we have a lot of fun and, and, and our, our bread and butter is narrative work. So we, we love telling stories. So uh, real quick, because you used used a, a word in there that I want to make sure everyone understands. Machinima is something you described. I'm glad you're asking this, Dan, because I was going to ask this. Yeah. So everyone understands what Machinima is, is basically you can record yourself playing a game, right? And that's just a let's play. This is where you actually take the characters. Someone kind of holds the camera, if you will. They record the characters doing actions on the screen. So it's kind of machine animation. But then what's more confusing, there's a company once called Machinima. Yeah, and, they really mix things up. <laughs> yeah, and and they specialized in this for a time, but eventually they, I think they were just straight up an MCN. Correct me if I'm wrong, Corey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they did machinimas and stuff, but then they were just machinima. So it was this confusing thing, but it is actually a term that describes machine animation, and that's just one of the things you do. Yeah, and uh, that's what I grew up doing. Um, I'm sure you could guess where I got my inspiration to start making machinima like everybody else. <laughs> it was rooster teeth. Yep. So red versus blue was um, my favorite show when I was a kid. I was, I was watching that in like fifth grade and uh, too young to be watching it. And then also too young to try making them. But I also did, I even did a pink versus purple when I was in fifth grade, real <laughs> cringe. I'm glad it's deleted from the internet forever, but uh, yeah. Uh, machinima was sort of my alternative to, I wanted to be like a movie director when I got older. And so my alternative to having the budget for these big flicks was, we'll just do it on a video game. You have all the explosions and weapons and outfits and everything already there. All the sets are kind of just built for you in this magical video game. Yes. Uh, This is so similar to how I got interested in YouTube as well. Watching red versus blue, playing around with halo and all their editors. I did not commit myself to it. And had I done that, Maybe I'd be sitting where you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely a lot of uh, upswing and downswing. There's a lot of people I've met through the years, people I met on Xbox Live who are still in my life today. Um, one of the people who he no longer records with me, but we were doing videos together for for several years around 2018. And he was one of the funniest guys in my videos. I met him in matchmaking on Halo 3 hmm. and he wanted some help making a machinima. So that's how we kind of connected. And then we just stayed in touch and he turned out to be like a really talented, funny guy. And I think there's a lot of uh, awesome connections to be made on the internet, especially uh, back in the day on Halo. I mean, there's a lot of people that are still, they're growing with the industry. So one thing I wanted to ask you, and I know machinima is only part of what you're doing, but I was surprised to see like just how much your channel it's it's grown oh, with Machinima. The only company that I know that's why it was so easy to get Rooster Teeth. The only company I know that's been successful with that is them. They they have multiple channels. They they do a lot of Machinima and things like that. Would you say that you're kind of bringing this back into vogue because I know they've kind of pivoted to animation more so than than anything else. And here you are going strong with machine animation. 
Uh, or am I just out of the loop? Are there a lot of people out there still doing machinima and I just haven't seen them? Right. Yeah. Uh, machinima has been around, but the word machinima has sort of fallen out of style. It actually, it's kind of funny to watch the evolution of it um, because, you know, back in the day, we used to call them machinimas because that's what they are, but that wasn't as digestible, I guess. So later on, it became short films. And then after that, it became like on, on Roblox, they have a Roblox movie is what you call it. It's not a machinima, it's a Roblox movie. And and I'm Fortnite, right? Short film. And I'm sure there's about five other variations of that across different video games and different niches, depending on, you know, I guess just what sticks as far as SEO goes. So the word machinima has fallen out of style, but machinima itself is, I don't think it's ever going to die completely unless these companies that create these games decide to change their free marketing strategy on YouTube and, <laughs> you know, claiming videos or something. But, but for now, I mean, machinima is always... Uh, it's a rise and fall. One of the biggest issues is the fact that we'll make machinimas for a certain game. And then when that game goes out of style, it's very hard to pivot that channel to the to something that is comparable. You know, um, right. if, if, if you are doing Fortnite machinimas and then you want to turn it into a Minecraft machinima channel, good luck. Uh, you might as well start a new channel. So that's why we're always creating new channels for new content. But Machinima itself, I think, is going to stay part of our company uh, for a long time. The biggest downfall of it is just the fact that it's not IP, right? Right. And there's so much money behind IP. And with Machinima, we could blow up these characters and make them the coolest characters ever, but we're really just doing a service for the developer of the game, not really ourselves at the end of the day. Right. Have you um, ever encountered any issues with this? Because essentially you're on rented ground twice in the sense that you're operating on YouTube, but then you're also operating within the realms of somebody else's uh, intellectual property. How do you navigate that? Or as you say, currently companies are pretty happy for you to share and expose their intellectual property, which means hopefully people are going to go invest in the, the games themselves. Yeah, I have... Uh... I have probably a few stories for that, but um, as far as uh, us getting in hot water, there's only been one instance, a small indie game where we made a video on it, um, a machinima on it, and they didn't like it. So we just took it down. Um, But as far as Among Us goes, um, which is one of the biggest games we've ever touched, we created a character that I play called Mr. Cheese. And these kids love Mr. Cheese. Everyone loves Mr. Cheese. He's a, a total sociopathic goofball um, is probably the best way to describe it. But it's gone as far as I don't want to say that Innersloth, the developer of Among Us, took influence from our characters, Mr. Cheese and the Gentleman. Oh, but okay. but the, the toys that are coming out at GameStop are oddly familiar with how our <laughs> characters look. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, and that's the thing, right? We're like, oh, man. I would have loved to like just get an email or something, be involved. However, like even if I'm not making money from it or something, but that's just how it is. Right. It's not my property. I don't have the right to complain. <laughs> and that's sort of just where you are at the end of the day. So, you know, we, we make a lot of money off of AdSense on those videos. We gain a lot of traction, a lot of viewership. Um, so it's a give and take. How often do you have dialogue of any kind with these companies you know as you say among us developers haven't necessarily acknowledged you but have you had other occasions where you know epic have said oh we're we're loving what you're doing with fortnite or does it tend to be kind of like a hands-off type of passive collaboration that you have with these uh these games and these characters 
Right. Yeah. Well, uh, Inner Sloth, for example, with Among Us, uh, I've exchanged a few emails with them. Okay. Um, but for the operation, for everything they have going on over there, they're severely understaffed to yep. have yep. one of the world's most popular games. I think there's like five people. Uh, so I, I don't really expect a whole lot when it comes to responses or anything. Um, mostly it's just been about you know, can I buy a license to sell Mr. Cheese merchandise or something like that? Right. Mm. Um, we haven't gone anywhere with that I'm holding out hope for the future. Uh, but with Epic games, for example, with Fortnite, Fortnite has a supporter creator program. Um, so we've actually made a substantial amount of money on the supporter creator program where we get a percentage of the proceeds that they get from every microtransaction on the game. Yeah. Yeah. And we've actually done pretty well with that. Never had a personal conversation with anybody that works at Epic Games, though. In fact, yeah, I think to to answer your question shortly, I've never actually had a conversation, not for lack there of trying, yeah. with anybody at any of these studios. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a, quite a little similar to, um, to 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 VidIQ in that you know we we develop tools for the platform, but sometimes our communication with them can be as frustrating or limited as your average video creator just because of the size of the company you know what they don't necessarily know everything that's going on on their platform yeah for sure i mean uh you have both sides of the coin right inner sloth doesn't have enough people epic they're a little too big to bother with me mm, yeah. so <laughs> but yeah we're right now really ramping up our ip development because it's not that fun relying on another person's intellectual property yeah. Um, in fact, we have plenty of ideas. It's just a matter of, I'm sure you guys have talked to a lot of people and you've heard trend jacking. Trend jacking is usually how you get into this in the first place. And the hardest thing about starting IP or, or working on your own content is the fact that why do people care about this? Exactly. Yeah. I think um, when we interviewed Jake Feldman, he was saying exactly the same thing, Dan, wasn't he? And ultimately he wants to start developing his own IP and not rely on Minecraft, which is currently what he's doing. I encourage listeners to go back and, and check that episode out to Jake Fellman. If you don't know, makes animations, particularly in Among Us and Minecraft, uh, through YouTube Shorts. And he's gotten a lot of credibility doing that. And yes, Rob is correct. That's exactly his his thought for the future. And I was going to ask you that, Corey, as well, if, if this was your thought. So I'm really glad to hear that this is already something that's in the works for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And right now our uh, biggest IP project is it's called awkward animations has no traction. You have not heard of it um, <laughs> because it's so tiny, but we're trying to grow it organically. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's one of the tough things is um, I was talking with Nick Barberi, who's a good friend of mine and uh, I've worked with him many times before. And he was actually my roommate back when I worked for Sky Does Minecraft. And I was saying, man, I don't know how to get this channel to blow up. And he was the person who, put the idea in my ear. Why do people care about this character? And it's like, yeah, you're right. But I didn't want to do trend jacking to get this one to blow up. <laughs> and he was like, well, maybe you need to do it just to jumpstart it. You know, maybe, right. maybe. And so right now we're, we're planning on it. Uh, we have a couple ideas that I can't really, you know, go about saying right now, but some, the future videos on that channel are going to like build off of some viral concepts and, uh, hopefully that'll give it the jump start it needs. And then it's more of a, okay, well, people came for the trend, but they're staying for the quality. Right. 
This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's competitors tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have vidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left-hand sidebar within the YouTube studio, and from there you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche, all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. Just speaking of, of growing to this level now that you're at, where you're, you're making your own characters, and hopefully soon they'll become as well-known as, as the characters in your uh, you know, current series, tell us a little bit about the journey of, of just building up to this point, building basically from one channel out to an empire with multiple channels. I, I was looking, you have multiple channels with well over a million, two million subscribers. The first thing I want to ask actually is how many gold play buttons do you have? <laughs> right. Uh, I think we're on seven now, but I need to double check that because I don't want to go <laughs> spreading false information. when somebody needs to double check how many gold. <laughs> well, actually, no, no. I think we have five, but there are a couple that are just like 10,000 or 20,000 subs away from a million. So we're, we'll be there, you know, a month or so. But Somewhere yeah. in the mail, I haven't bothered you know, applying <laughs> well, to a couple I, of them. I just sent an email to uh, the YouTube creator rewards and I said, hey, uh, I'm missing some play buttons. And they said, okay, which ones? And I gave them a list of like five. <laughs> five. I was yeah. like, well, here's a few silver ones. And then we're also missing these two gold ones. Uh, I just want to make sure we get those for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we have them all up in our conference room as sort of like, I guess, a morale booster or something. That would do it. I'm on um, YouTube support now, and I'm just saying I appear to be missing a diamond play button. <laughs> no diamonds yet. We're not even close. That's the thing, right? Is I, I really would love to get a channel, the momentum where we have 10 million subscribers, and that's something I've never even come close to. I mean, our, our biggest channel is, I think, two and a half million subscribers. Yeah, two and a half million. And we've hit two million on three channels now. But as far as subscriptions go i feel like it's more of a personal journey do i want to invest the time and say did you know that only 80 or 10 percent of you guys are subscribed to the channel and 80 percent or 20 percent aren't subscribed to the channel it's a matter of um i don't know whether it's an ego or a fleck or whatever but if i post a video and only five percent of my viewers watch it it could still make 10 million views and youtube is going to show it to everybody if it has the avd so what was I going to say? Oh yeah, there was um, <laughs> we we had one channel that hit 100k, and my editors did such a good job that instead of putting the name of the channel on the plaque, I the editors' names are Max and Katie. So on the plaque, I had it written Max and Katie's Outstanding Achievement Award. Wow. <laughs> well, because after so many 100k plaques, you're like, what's the point? Really? That's awesome. Yeah, and they they really they loved it, so it was worth it. And that is true. A small insight into um, YouTube play buttons. You can put on whatever you want. It, it's not necessarily just the name of a channel. Yeah. You can buy more uh, than one. Allegedly, I've tried, but they never reply to me. So that's why I, I have done that. I, I damaged the original vidIQ play button. It got all scratched when I took it to a conference and said, can I buy another one? And uh, they said, yes, but it costs around $200. So that's, that's quite an empire. Talk a little bit about what it was like to to build that out. Right. You were asking that, weren't you? 
<laughs> it's a, sorry, the play buttons are too fun of a discussion to let. That yeah, go. no, no. So, uh, yeah, let me just start at the beginning. So, with the Minecraft channel, I was really excited. I felt like I was the big cheese when I had twenty thousand subscribers when I was in high school and just making these machinimas and dishing them out. And it didn't really blow up uh, very big until Scott's Minecraft actually gave the channel a shout out. And then I got a hundred subscribers, a hundred thousand subscribers overnight. And that was a really huge moment for me. Um, and the channel had diehard fans and we were able to sort of, once again, trend jacking, right? We hit Bendy the Ink Machine, Undertale, all these games that all these indie games are really big. Just insert this game into Minecraft, make a role play out of it. Um, and that's what we did for a long time. I don't really, the, the first time I actually started a new channel was just a pivot for Minecraft. So it's really easy, right? Where I just made a, I called it Newscape Dose instead of Newscape Pro. It was our second channel. And I just played Minecraft with the crew. That went pretty well. The fans liked it. And then I made a third channel, Newscape Games, where we played other games, some indie games of varying degrees, I guess. Um, but usually small games on Steam, that was back when you could just play a game and post it and people actually watched it. Uh, eventually, at, when the apocalypse happened, all three of those channels were really tanking. Uh, really only the main channel you know, still had legs at that point. So what ended up happening was we thought, man, I really got to start a new channel, but we don't have the momentum to push a new channel. So we did something that probably isn't a very good idea uh, right now, uh, but we took a channel and wiped it clean and renamed it to Newscape Pro Fortnite Shorts, which is now our biggest channel. And the Minecraft audience really hated that and hated <laughs> and hated and continue to hate me for that. Um, because a lot of people really love those videos, but I had to like make a sacrifice because I have employees that I need to pay. So, uh, I wiped that channel and we started it fresh. And I remember I was like at my brother's house for whatever reason. And I'm just looking at my phone and I see it's, it's like our first video is just picking up. It's skyrocketing. I'm like, yes. Oh my God. Yes. We're not, we're not going under like <laughs> everything's going to be okay. So we made that channel did so well that we, wiped the other Minecraft channel and turned it into a Fortnite oh, no. channel. <laughs> we still have the one, the original Minecraft channel, even though I did wipe some videos I didn't like from it, but um, that one's still there. But two of the channels, the Newscape Dose and Newscape Games don't exist anymore because I turned those into extra Fortnite channels. So then we made Newscape Pro 3 after 2, which is more Fortnite. And then we made Newscape Pro 4 after 3, which was more Fortnite. And then we uh, even did Newscape Pro 5 Fortnite fort ever um, because <laughs> they just kept watching and we just kept making Fortnite videos. So uh, basically it's, it's kind of tricky, but one in three are machinimas where we make stories with the characters and then two and four are like role play mini games where we put the characters in these hide and seeks or whatever type scenarios. And then five was more mini games. And uh, since then, since Fortnite is sort of decreasing in popularity, we kind of cut five out since it wasn't very big to begin with. But I guess the big takeaway from this whole thing is, um, you know, I care about my fans. I really like that we have uh, dedicated viewers. But at the end of the day, if it's not making enough money, we just have to cut it. And we've cut half of our channels. And, and we don't always wipe. We don't wipe anymore because you want to push people often, more often than not, to a fresh slate, something that's like more relatable to the original channel. Like I wouldn't push my game tunes viewers to SCP animated because those are different demographics. Right? right. And that would hurt my AVD and my CTR. Sorry, am I ranting? Am I ranting? Yeah. 
No, I, I do want to. <laughs> I appreciate all of this insight. I just want to ask you something real quick before you you get too far away from the uh, the three channels. But here's what I want to ask you. So a lot of our audience, like they'll ask us, can I play multiple games on my channel? Will I grow? And we we kind of tell them it's hard. You know, you really want to try and focus, right? You've taken three channels that are all about Fortnite and and you've made like shorts and skits out of them. Why break that up? That seems like three channels that are uh, about the same thing from from our perspective. What's the big difference there and why break those up off into three different channels? I guess it depends. I mean, each channel has a totally, to me at least, has a total different expectation with the YouTube algorithm when it comes to CTR and AVD. I have a channel, SCP Animated. I have to hit eight minutes AVD for that to go viral. But on Game Tunes, I can hit five minutes and go viral. So it just depends on, I don't know if YouTube's taking the demographic into play or whatever goes on that I can't comprehend. But all I can do is look at how this channel performs if I increase it to four videos a week, am I making more money? No. Okay. I'm sticking to three, but when I open another channel and I do three videos, I'm making the same amount of money as I was on that channel. So on Fortnite, what we found a sweet spot to be is three videos a week on every channel. Um, and if we want to do more than three videos, we open a new channel because YouTube stops showing it to people. That's interesting. Do you, so you think this is something that's happening to all channels out there if, if they're uploading five times a week? No, no. I think uh, there are certain channels that it works, like uh, Sunday, for example. That guy, I don't know if he uploads every day, but he comes real close to uploading every day. And he's always crushing it, always making tons of views. And there are certain weeks where he won't upload every day. It makes the same amount of views, roughly. So I think it totally depends on your audience, and I guess just whatever YouTube decides for that channel, whatever they think is the right way to show it to people. Um, so sometimes you have to, you know, if there's not a road, you have to pave one. <laughs> Corey, it sounds like you've developed somewhat of a analytics formula here um, in that you determine your content based off of Average view duration, or was it watch time? Like you hitting us a, a certain amount of minutes for a video on a certain type of channel. How did you come to this conclusion? Is it just through testing, through you know a decade and a half of content, or was there a light bulb moment in that sense? Because I mean, everybody's always asking, like, you know, how do I get more views? How do I get more subscribers? And there are so many ways to answer that, whether it be click through rate, average view duration, impressions, and so on. I was just fascinated for your your take on that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who think they found the secret sauce when it comes to YouTube. Right. But I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. The two, the two constants I've found are CTR and AVD um, watch time. You know, it's, it's great to look at your watch time minutes, but that's really only reflected by your views. Right. I mean, your watch time minutes are going to go up if your views go up. But one thing you can look at is your AVD where people are dropping off from the video. How do I improve that? Do you Sorry, have a minimum length for a video then? No, it's really interesting with these shorts too, because I just recently launched a channel called uh, Game Tunes Clips, uh, doing right. that whole YouTube shorts thing. I mean, there's no money in it. My my RPM on that channel is abysmal. It's like 0. 0.3 cents or something <laughs> crazy like that. We we made like 10 million views and like $800. Um, mm -hmm. It was pretty yeah. bad. Sorry, checks uh, out on that one. Yep. Yeah, but but sure enough, I mean, the videos with the highest AVD uh, tended to be shown to more people and... Yeah. We receive more clicks and everything. And 
It really just depends. Like I said, it's a channel per channel basis, but I don't think the length of your content matters to anything other than how much money you plan on bringing home at the end of the day. Um, right. If you make shorter videos, it's harder. We have one channel that's been on and off sustainable, uh, GameTunes Music. This was a really clever one. So we had GameTunes, T-O-O-N-S, and then we thought, oh, let's make a music channel and call it GameTunes, T-U-N-E-S. <laughs> um, so we started that channel, and we were posting three to four-minute music videos of Among Us, and they would make you know anywhere from a million to 10 million views, which went great for a while, but... As soon as the views dropped, it's crazy, right? That something's not sustainable where you're making 800,000 views a video. Just you can't afford to pay for animators and an editor on a channel that is bringing $6,000 a month. We found other solutions to that. We would post the songs on TuneCore and we were actually seeing the same amount of revenue coming from like Spotify and iTunes as it was from YouTube. Hmm. So I don't know. There's definitely... uh, YouTube's not a place for videos that are less than eight minutes unless you're making a lot of views. You touched on YouTube shorts for a minute there. You have been experimenting with that then. Just we we talk about shorts all the time. We we can't help ourselves. What are your current thoughts just in general about shorts? And then how how do you feel about them for everything that, that you're kind of up to? I'm mostly doing the shorts just so that we are up to date in case these do become lucrative down the road. Right now, it's not, but I know that people make a lot of money on TikTok, and if YouTube is able to secure ad rates, um, advertisers that are willing to pay Snapchat TikTok money for ads on YouTube shorts, then I could see it being lucrative down the road. I would be very surprised if they weren't working on that right now um, because YouTube, I mean, short form content is, people don't have the attention span for long form content anymore. Mm. (laughs) Short form content is definitely the future. And I just don't want to miss out, which is why I'm trying to get involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, right now, it's it's still in beta mode, right? But I'm hoping once they fully roll this thing out, there's going to be some actual money in it. I mean, you wouldn't see these huge YouTubers spending their time on it if they didn't think there was going to be some financial means to an end. Right. It kind of it can be frustrating because we we hear that all the time too. It got this many million views, and if it was a normal length video, that would have netted me a lot more than ten cents. But I only got ten cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the thing. I mean, I I hear about these channels popping up, these Minecraft ones all the time that just make these bite sized content, and they post six yep. times a day. <laughs> and they're making <laughs> like ten million views a week, and or or a hundred million views a month sometimes. You know, and Give them time, though. Uh, they'll be making money, I'm sure, down the road. Because if not, they're gonna have to go get a job, and YouTube <laughs> wants them to be on the platform. So <laughs> that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, it's YouTube's best interest not to have them employed somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Let's tie that into, I guess, I'm gonna call this Corey your life journey. Am I, am I right in saying? I think you said this earlier on, but you started making YouTube content in ninth grade, right? Yeah. So. How has that influenced your, I don't know, your your career path or your your journey through life? Like because you know the traditional way people may go into employment over the last thirty to forty years is they go to school, they maybe go to university, get education, and then do uh, you know become a, a lawyer, doctor, etc., teacher, etc., etc. How did YouTube kind of disrupt all of that? Yeah, and, you know, 10 years later, obviously it was the right choice, 
And do you think such a path is is going to be the future in that less and less people are going to get qualifications and instead they're going to start YouTube channels or whatever social media endeavor is available? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting topic that I have a personal connection to, obviously. Uh, whenever I speak to somebody who is debating whether they go to college or not or what have you. I mean, here's just one example, right? I have this intern. He's still an intern, Matt, uh, who's coming out here to work full time in Denver uh, starting in June. And uh, I've known Matt for four years. I met him when he applied for an internship when he was graduating high school, but he said, no, I'm going to go to college. Mm -hmm. So he went to college, uh, did all four years and he's about to finish. And every, every semester he would come and intern for us like in the summer and, and winter break. And he did that for four years and now he's just coming to work for us. And if he ends up being a lifelong employee here, he just went to college for no reason at all. <laughs> Even if he stays in the space, right? If he if he works for us for a few years and then he decides to launch his own thing or go work at another YouTube studio with his experience, his college still had nothing to do with that. I look at tons of resumes every day and I couldn't tell you unless we had an actual unique conversation about it, which of my employees went to which university, if they went to any at all. I don't even look because... Uh, it really, the portfolio is all I care about in an art yeah. position, whether you're an editor, an illustrator, um, an animator, whatever. It's just, I just look at the portfolio and whether you have a passion to be working this job or not. Now, I actually answer your question about me though. Yeah. My mom was hell bent on me going to college and around my senior year, I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was just a kid in high school making too much money for his own good. And when I was a senior, the money started to dip where I wasn't making 20 grand off a Modern Warfare 2 video. I was making a few hundred dollars or so, which is not enough to pay rent. <laughs> so yeah. we looked at that and we said, okay, well, I could really give this YouTube thing a shot, but I should go to college and try to do it on the side. And I'm sure you could guess uh, when you go to college and you're actually a social person who goes to parties and is having the college experience, you quickly forget about that dedication to yeah, your videos. Yeah. My whole time through college, I was making machinimas. I just did it in my spare time, but spare time was less frequent. And I'm glad I did because uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I was just making Minecraft machinimas. And I even said to my friend uh, one day, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try one last semester to make this thing work or make some money off YouTube. And then I just got to, I just have to focus on school and do, do school. I was just an IT major at the time. And uh, that was when uh, Nick and Adam, so SGC Barbarian and Scott is Minecraft reached out to me and started paying me a bunch of money to make these machinima cutscenes for back when Minecraft role plays were the biggest thing on YouTube. And that was like, honestly, I just got really lucky in the end. So I guess my advice to anyone who's considering YouTube or going to college, are you making money from YouTube yet? Are you making enough? Do you know how to pivot when that trend dies? Because I guarantee you, like all trends, it's going to die. If you can pivot and you're making money, then yeah, you probably don't need to go to college. But I definitely wouldn't skip out on college just because I'm trying to become a YouTuber. And uh, yeah, I think that's really the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. It's a really 
interesting journey, like having that much success so early, you know, you know, in life, in high school, um, and then, you know, going to college anyway, and carrying on with that dedication to YouTube, like, congratulations is, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just think Thanks, that's really yeah. cool. That was a, that was a weird time um, for sure. Trying to navigate that because, you know, I don't want to start boasting about dollars and whatever, but I mean, for a freshman in high school, I posted one video on Machinima that made me $20,000 and I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Like wow. I don't even, I didn't, I didn't save money for taxes. Um, <laughs> my my dad had to help me out with taxes and then I ended up paying him back like, Five years later, I was like, okay, I finally have the money. Here you go, dad. But, uh, <laughs> but I was lucky because I didn't know anything at all. I wasted all my money. I was just a, I was a stupid kid. <laughs> I, I would have done the same exact thing. Give, yeah. You know, give high school me $20,000 and yeah, no, I didn't. Taxes. Those are for, that's yeah. for adults. Don't worry I, bought, I bought like a Rolex when I was in high school. I'm like, <laughs> what, what does a high schooler need with a Rolex? <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering what um, a 14 year old kid right now who's just earned like a couple of hundred bucks on a YouTube video, maybe they're buying Dogecoin and stuff, which is probably actually a really good idea right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been doubting for so long and I don't know. I don't know if I'm on the right side of the fence. <laughs> so, that was the past. Let's talk about the future for a minute. Where Where is your channel going? And by, by saying that, what I'm actually asking is, how many more YouTube channels are, are you going to start in the next <laughs> How many years? more gold play buttons do you think you're going to well, get? Speaking Who of do Doge, you think you are? <laughs> speaking of Doge, I'm taking YouTube to the moon. So um, we're going to keep we're gonna keep releasing YouTube channels. But here's the thing. We're sort of uh, trying to work through this gap now where it's like, for every channel I start, there's an old one that's sort of tanking right and as much as we try to keep things relevant and keep things fresh trends come and go the way youtube is sort of set up now is they want you to make a channel and they want you to do one thing and do it better than everybody else and continue to do that thing on repeat forever until it's over and that is just that is how these channels work so that's why i'm trying to build out ip even though it doesn't have immediate gratification and i think in the long run you know that's the play is talent and i've been bringing on people as talent. I've been converting some of our long-term employees uh, with who are talented voice actors uh, to become talent. And I think that's just sort of the wave as far as continuing to grow goes. On a personal note, I've been building out my own IP for a long time without giving too much away. It's sort of this post-apocalyptic series, not for kids, but it's an animated series that I'm hoping once we have the financial, you know, let's say we're having a really good, few months, put the money into it and just build out this pilot, post it, try to blow it up and then pitch that to networks so that we can actually leave the realm of YouTube. Not entirely, never entirely, just at least to diversify, right? We talk about pivoting YouTube channels. I'm looking to pivot networks. You're you're looking to pivot to, you know, places like Netflix and other platforms like that. Yeah, sort of like what we did with TuneCore too. Um, there's revenue to be made. We've messed around on Amazon, but I really am looking more into, you know, YouTube's an awesome opportunity. I don't think we're going to see higher ad rates than we get on YouTube, but, you know, YouTube can take everything away like that. So um, we want to be in other places as well and and spread out. So yeah, right now my 2021 goal is is really just get several IP projects up running successful um, and then grow out IP from there. 
let's just talk a little bit about YouTube and the snap of the fingers. You briefly mentioned Adpocalypse earlier. Which which Adpocalypse are we talking about here? Oh, I was is in it, both is of it them. One a year, usually. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was yeah, there were like three, right? So the the yeah. there was the Adpocalypse, and then demonetization was different i oh, mean i i think i blacked out all of this from this is repressed memories now um <laughs> oops but but yeah so there that whole thing hit us really hard especially at the time we were making like we were doing really well we were doing like 50k a month for just me and two editors just crushing it and growing and then that happened and it dropped in half and that dropped even below that and then there were, i think our lowest month ever we made like maybe like $12,000 or something. And it was like, I had to go to the headers and say, guys, like between, you know, all of the overhead and everything, I mean, the building we're in, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay you guys on time this month. So if you guys want to quit, I have, I will hold nothing against you. That was Joe and Kay. They stuck with me. And now Kay is the COO and Joe is the branch manager here in Denver. And, um, and I don't think they'll ever quit. <laughs> you know, they're, um, they're awesome employees, but they stuck through the hard times, you know, like they had apocalypse and everything. And is this because you were kind of boxed into a corner because you could only really rely on ad revenue because of the type of content you made at the time? You know, like you can't merchandise any of this. Mm-hmm. It's, you, you know, you're borrowing somebody else's IP. And this is ultimately why and why we we generally say to all creators that ad revenue for most creators, perhaps it's a little different for yourself, is the icing on the cake. You know, it should represent a small fraction of your revenue. That should be and the goal, yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, and and the main reason people say that, right, is you had the adpocalypse, demonetization, Minecraft YouTubers were, that was the, the safest bet for a long time. And then uh, Minecraft just died. <laughs> With Fortnite, Minecraft just it was not feasible to make money from it anymore. That was a huge financial issue, right? Um, and uh, then um, I never knew how to pronounce it, but Kappa, is it Copa Kappa? Um, I've heard both. Yeah. But when that, uh, when that was hinted at, you know, all of us with PTSD from YouTube, <laughs> YouTube giveth and YouTube taketh is what I've yeah. been telling people forever. But with that whole thing happening, I didn't wait I literally deleted our Roblox channel because it was associated with our AdSense account and it wasn't making enough money to be worth it. So I, I literally was like, I don't know if this is going to be considered for kids. Yeah, I don't know where they're drawing the line. It's very vague. So I wasn't taking any risks because, I mean, you've seen what happened before. You don't want that to happen again. Yeah. yeah. And then COVID happened and everyone forgot about it, I guess. So um, <laughs> it, it kind of, we, we've been noticing a, a trend on our end we, we call them quarantine creators. I, I think more people must have started a, a channel during during lockdowns than probably at any time in history on YouTube. I would love to see some stats on that. I'm just saying that. It, yeah, I never thought about that. that way. No, I never, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I kind of like the new wave of creators on YouTube. Minecraft videos. Um, I mean, not just Minecraft videos across the board. People complain, whatever, but I think YouTube's algorithm is better than it's ever been. Because right now on YouTube, it has never been easy to start a brand new channel and blow it up. It has never been this easy. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's never been this easy. Um, you know, You're saying there's more opportunity than there ever has been. Yeah. And if, and if you are actually talented and you make high quality content, it's going to be found. Mm. Because, I mean, 
it's it's all about AVD now, right? Before it's just oh, make sure you hit your mark on CTR, and they'll show it to everybody. But that was how we got the clickbait, right? But now clickbait doesn't work because you actually need quality in your video itself. So I think the algorithm right now is the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So for quality content. You mentioned the the algorithm, and this is a this is a word that I know Rob certainly is trying to get away from. Recommendation uh, system. I, I go with that these days. Sure. <laughs> we we talked about this on our last podcast too. How the algorithm isn't necessarily something we should be referring to anymore because it's it's looked at as this kind of this this dark figure, and everyone tries to to fight it. How do you beat this thing? How do you beat the algorithm? So, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> it's it's a tool. It's a tool to help. Uh, our last guest put it really well. Ma- match make creators and viewers. It's it's there to help everybody find everybody. You know, yeah. if you if you have an interest in something, it's trying to figure that out and get the video to you that that it thinks you're going to like. But so anyway, I, I bring this up because I'm, I'm trying not to say the word algorithm. It's because it's difficult. How mm-hmm. how have you navigated all these all these changes? Because we we heard you deleted your your Roblox channel out of uh, an abundance of caution with with Copa. Um, what other things have you had to do just over over the last you know several years? Yeah. Um... Well, as far as as far as the uh, algorithm, not algorithm stuff goes, um, but I totally agree with you. I think it's a it's a term that is I don't want to say wildly abused, but people act like there's something to crack. There's nothing to crack. Make quality videos and a good thumbnail. Like, yep. there's your book. Like that's that's <laughs> literally that's literally the whole thing. Um, brochure, more like, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I really do think that's that's the entire concept behind it. But over the years, there's been a lot of um, changes, obviously Uh, for a long time. I didn't know anything about how to make videos that went viral. It was just a matter of you make something, it worked. Okay. What about this worked? And you try it again. Maybe that one didn't stick. You try it again. Oh, that one did. Then you start picking up on the pattern. And then later on, people really took an interest in how the back end of YouTube works. And that's when I started hearing more and more about your CTR, your CTR, check your CTR. If it's not good, AB test your thumbnails, like make a new thumbnail and post it. And yeah, sure enough. I mean, right now it works. I think the key is like the sweet spot's different for me on every channel, right? Like SCP animated, I need my CTR to be eight to 10% is all I need. Like that's the threshold. And then the watch time, ABD, ABD is what I mean, uh, needs to be eight minutes. And if I can hit both of those marks, then they'll show it to a ton of people. And when I say eight to 10%, I mean after day one, because a lot of people look at their day one uh, CTR and they think, oh, it's 10%. That's awesome. But then day two, it's it's four or something, right? Because it's going to drop at least in half usually. So what I really look for, like every Among Us video we post, our CTR is over 20% day one. And then as the days go on, we just really want to keep it above 8%. I think when we go below 8%, that's when YouTube's like, eh, I'm not going to show this to anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but it was it was a multifaceted question. <laughs> Is I there something you, I missed? You must have gone through like half a decade of not even being able to upload custom thumbnails. Is that right? Then they're coming to about 2012, 2013, if I seem to remember. Unless yeah, really so the whole the, the whole time that custom thumbnails weren't available to the average Joe Schmo. Um, I was sending my videos into Machinima and they had that 
power. So I would make uh, a custom thumbnail and send it to them. For yeah. a while, Machinima was they they were like, "You have no rights for the thumbnails. We're going to do the thumbnails." And uh, but then eventually they were like, "Well, we don't want to do the thumbnails. You do the thumbnails now." So <laughs> then I started sending the thumbnails with the videos, and and that's when I started kind of learning about what thumbnail is going to make a clickier video. Um, it's kind of sad. A lot of my videos, earlier videos, I could show or. Uh, give examples of it's all gone. I mean, yeah. Machinima just deleted everything. And that was the only, uh, that was the only, I didn't keep my hard drive from when I was like 14. So those videos are gone forever. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sucks. I would have appreciated 24 hours warning. I would have downloaded all of them or something, <laughs> but it is what it is. So a lot of the content you make is, is based around animation uh, and, and storytelling uh, which is awesome. That that puts you in a whole new space of just being original on YouTube, which is so important. I mean, we 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 field questions all the time from people who are like, "Can I start a gaming channel, but also not even talk? I, I don't want to. I'm too shy. I don't want to get on the microphone." And we're like, "I mean, how creative are you? Because if you're just going to play silently, you know, no one's really going to be looking for that. And making narratives is a whole nother level. Anyway, it's a very long way to ask this question." What is your advice for the average gaming YouTuber and people who are making the the solo Let's Play content that that you see everywhere all the time, super competitive? Uh, you definitely have experience in, in this in this field. It sounds like what 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 kind of advice do you have for them today in in twenty twenty one? I think a lot of people need to be more honest with themselves about their content because you know whether you're fourteen or. 18 or whatever your age is, YouTube doesn't care what your age is. Um, and um, YouTube doesn't care about anything other than whether people are going to want to watch your videos or not. So let's say you're making like Minecraft let's plays, which is maybe one of the most oversaturated things you could be doing. <laughs> um, what makes your Minecraft let's plays literally better than everybody else's. And if they're not, then you should change the way you're doing them. Um, or you should just change what you're doing entirely. It's, definitely a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. I, I did a uh, AMA on Reddit recently where I just was like, I'm a, I own all these YouTube channels and I've been a professional YouTuber for X amount of years. Ask me anything. And that was a big thing. A lot of people sent me their YouTube channels and were like, what am I doing wrong? Like I've been trying so hard for like a month. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, first of all, I think, I think people should go into YouTube making YouTube videos because they want to. And I know that's like such a cliche to say, like, you have to have passion or something. But why are you even doing this if you don't want to do it for fun? I was making these videos for fun. And if I was, let's say I'm 30 years old, which a lot of people think, oh, I'm 30. It's too late to start or something. But when you're done with work, what are you doing? Like, do you do you want to make content when you're done with work? Do you want to flex your creative muscle when you're done with work? Then go do it. And you don't have to upload every day. You know, like I said, it's, it's a more accessible time on YouTube than ever. You don't have to upload every week. You could upload once a month and you look at people like, uh, what is his name? Mark Rober. Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He uploads what, uh, 12 videos a year. Is that what he said? You don't have to upload videos all the time. You just have to upload the best video every time. So I guess that's my advice. I, I was Rob, you, you look like oh, you're going to say something. <laughs> little my camera was frozen. Yeah, I, oh, the, so there was a follow-up question to this because um, 
Corey, you are now, uh, as Dan puts it, part of a, a a YouTube empire. So what advice would you give to a creator who has found success on YouTube and now they're kind of wanting to expand it from a one creator channel to perhaps something that you have? You know, is there anything that you could advise people to get from that individual to perhaps a, a company because you know you've been using ceo and ceo and it's like oh, you have that pressure now of uh, of paying other people and making sure that they get paid and, on time and so on yeah yeah um i mean from one channel to two is one piece of advice um right now i have 50 employees and it's only gotten actually easier since um 40 there there have been certain gaps you know there are certain thresholds where it's like you hit a wall and then you just have to find a way to go around it or break through it. Right. But there's always like a wall. And one of the biggest ones is when you're at like five to 10 employees. Like that's one of like the hardest points because you're still figuring out your core team. Having a core team is, is a huge, is a huge element. I mean, I can go snowboarding on the weekend because I have a team that I know is going to be able to do this thing with or without me there. So Building that out takes time, but oh my God, is it worth it? And um, if we're talking about how do you get from one channel to two channels, I would just say uh, if you have a different idea, don't bother posting it on your first channel. If it doesn't fall in line with that, just make a new channel. Like it's really not that hard, even if it's not uh, monetized for the first week or two, whatever, you know, that's the, uh, it's an investment, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, basically what I do is, Let's say I have a, I could give you plenty of examples of, of just channels we can pivot to and channels we can't, but um, game tunes, for example, is like our biggest channel like ever, as far as views go with that, it was like, okay, we got to do a spinoff. So we did the game tunes music and we did among us animations on there as well. So it was an easy pivot, right? Let's post more over here, bring on more people. And then, and then we do a push on the video. So at the beginning of the video, middle end, wherever you want to do it. You really don't need that big of a push. You would just say, Hey guys, we started a new channel. Go check it out. And links in the description. And then they go, they click it, they subscribe to it. And you could even have a base, I'd say of like 20 to 30,000 people, as long as they went and they watched. And that's your, that's your baseline viewership. YouTube will do the rest for you mm-hmm. because uh, they'll watch the crap out of that video. They'll make your ABD skyrocket, your CTR sky. When I start a new channel, I never see CTRs like I do when I start a new channel because I push the right people to it. And then it's like 50% CTR. Like, and then it'll obviously go down, but that means I'm doing something right because YouTube's showing it to all these other people. Yeah. Yeah. And my final question is how hard or easy was it to start giving up control of your, your channel, your creative process, you know, doing everything. Yeah. We could have talked about this the entire podcast, I guess. (laughs) But, um, once you, once you give a little bit, I think it's easier. Mm -hmm. It's hard to give up that little bit of control and admit you're not the best editor or you're not the best writer or whatever it is. When I hired my editors, I would hand things to them and it wouldn't be perfect on day one. And I'd say, see, this is what I was saying. Like, how am I supposed to, but then, now, for example, uh, Kay, who's the COO, he was head editor for a long time. He's That was his bread and butter. He's a really, really talented editor. He went to school for sound design. And he understands 
sound on a different level than I do. I'm over, I was over here editing with Sony Vegas and I would have like 15 audio tracks and I was like thinking I was some sound wizard, but you know, Kay brought in a whole level of actual expertise to it. And now all of our projects, he has set the, the base, uh, the, uh, the standard for yeah. how these should sound, what audio quality is acceptable and our videos, not only visually, but the soundscapes on all of our channels are, I think, top tier. Now, with, with the question you asked as well, uh, I've let go of all of the creative control as far as a lot of these projects go. Pretty much my whole job now is, hey, I have a channel idea. Um, <laughs> I think we should do this and this and whatever. I want to get then, a gold play button doing this. And then we do. Make it, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, and then we do. Um, and But now we're, we're running into the, the issue where it's like, okay, we're 50 employees and now K has to let go of some of that creative control right. and he has to hand off some and yeah. he's having trouble with it too. He's like, yeah. you know, you guys have talked and uh, I do need to let go of some of these responsibilities. I need to give you, I need to trust you guys more with, with some of the stuff. So it, it'll keep going like that as we grow. But yeah, I gave up my creative control, my 100% creative control. I want to say a long time ago, my input is still appreciated and I, yeah. I throw ideas in and, Everyone listens to them. Whenever I say I want something, it happens. Um, it's not like it's gone off the rails. I think that's what people are afraid of. Like, am I gonna am I gonna lose this thing entirely? Am I not gonna be the star anymore? And I never wanted to be the star to begin with, so it was a little easier for me. But until you're willing to trust other people with your stuff, it's gonna be impossible to grow. So, in well, summary, give up a small percentage. Accept that there's gonna be some early obstacles but most importantly placing trust in those people that you hand control over to yeah yeah i mean everyone does youtube pretty much out of the gate all by themselves yeah and then so this is this channel is my baby becomes the mentality and i'm not about to go let anyone hold my baby right so i don't know i think uh i think the key is to just uh Find the right people, and once you find the right people, you'll know. And yeah. be willing to let them give you input, too. And you might find you're going to create something way better than you could have ever made. So, Corey, uh, we are at time. I first want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, this has been a, a very big learning experience, definitely for me. And I hope everybody got a lot out of that. That was a very interesting journey on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't get over the gold play buttons. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite parts is looking at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everybody uh, the best places they they can find you if they're interested in, in learning more. Yeah, um, if you guys want to learn more about the channels um, or just check out the channels, our favorite ones are Game Tunes, SCP Animated. Uh, Game Tunes T U N E S Game Tunes Gaming. Uh, we got Newscape Pro One Two Three Four Five Newscape <laughs> Games. We have a bunch of channels, so you could check out any of those channels. But if you guys want to learn more about me or the company, we're working on that. The website is just a merch store at the moment, but we want to get the about thing going. And uh, but we do have LinkedIn, so if anyone wants to check me out on LinkedIn or check out the company, we have a company page on there too. Awesome, Corey. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by VidIQ. 
Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.